20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. And here we are, Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Finally, it's Draftsmith, everybody. Merry Draftmas to everybody, to you and yours, and to all. Hopefully a good night tonight. The Green Bay Packers will be on the clock 29th overall, allegedly, assuming they don't move up or down, which we'll see how that goes and where everything goes. But I'm here with my crew. It's Thursday morning, so you've listened to our voice the last four weeks, and we'll have at least one more after this, depending on what Andy decides to do. But we look forward to being with you guys and talking about the first round of the NFL Draft, which starts tonight, then obviously day two is tomorrow. Day three rounds four through seven on Saturday. Uh, Rob, what I want to start with is that one of the discussions that comes up is, do you, re- you may not be old enough to remember this, quite honestly. I know. <laughs> when they had the draft all day on Saturday, do you miss the days of it being all day Saturday, all day Sunday, or do you like this format? I, I like, I actually, it, it's a great question. And, and I've been on record as saying that I like the old format better. And it started, uh, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning is when the first pick would be. And I just, you know, maybe get a workout in and, you know, kind of just get geared up and get plenty of alcohol and then just basically, uh, you know, sit back and pop my first op- one open at 11 a.m. And, you know, by the time we get to pick seven, uh, it gets a, it gets a little bit crazy. So, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, this was kind of cool though, the way that they do it in prime time and they kind of make a big deal about it. Um, I'd probably wish that they had two rounds maybe in the first night and then maybe the third and fourth rounds, the second, and then just, uh, you know, did five through seven, maybe on Saturday, uh, just to finish it off. Cause you know, there's so many people that get into this stuff and it, it you know, it almost seems like there's so much buildup, and then it stretches out for so long. And it's like, you know, the first round's like five hours long. And you're just like, come on, let's get on with it. So um, I did like the old one better, but I've kind of gotten used to this. I will say this from a content creator standpoint, this is awesome. I love it because you have all day long Friday to talk about who they pick. Like last year, think about it. Last year, we're talking about Jordan Love from yeah, you know 10 o'clock at night until – you know, when the next day started and then, you know, day two obviously was interesting as well. And then you get into day three. Uh, I love it. I think from a content creation standpoint, it's fantastic. I like the splitting up of everything. Um, that way, you know, I don't feel like the entire, and especially now that I'm older, <laughs> my entire yeah. weekend isn't torched by telling my wife I can't be around on Saturday or Sunday to do anything. Cause I'm just watching yeah. the draft. So I appreciate that part. So Eli, I made the joke at the beginning, but are you old enough to remember when they had it on Saturday? I, I am old enough to remember. I do remember. And um, I personally enjoy the the new format, like Rob said. I like the prime time. But I do agree with Rob that that maybe doing the first two rounds, because, I mean, number one, I feel like drafts each year, like just players are getting better. And like the second round – like it's a big deal still. And I feel like you can make a real big event going first, second round, obviously, but you would have to make just shorter between picks. Like Rob said, I mean, we love the draft and we like the experience, but it shouldn't necessarily be one round taking four to six hours, depending on what goes on. And you, what is it? 10 minutes between picks. It used to be 15. I think they brought it to 10. I don't know. Maybe you drop that down to eight or, or seven, just, to maybe speed line, uh, move it up. But 
I thought I heard this year that day two was was going to be two, three, and four, right? They're adding is that true? fourth. I, no, I don't know. day two is just two and three. Okay. Saturday's still four through seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so I guess that was just a rumor, but. But yeah, look, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm excited. Uh, I've good I've good feelings about this draft, which which is rare for me. It's one of those nice matches between you know you're looking at the uh, the positions that the Packers need, and you look at the strengths of the draft, and it's one of those rare drafts where that we're at alliance outside of defensive tackle. Yeah. You know, we obviously need defensive linemen on our team, and you know maybe we can pick somebody up, but. You know, outside of that, it just seems like the positions that we have needed. When I'm doing all these mocks and I'm kind of looking at different scenarios, it just seems that I can pick up, you know, two, three, four, you know, really solid players that can tr- contribute right away in all the mock drafts that I do along the line. You know, it, you know, even in the first four or five rounds, you know, they're getting solid players that could potentially be starters. Um, whereas other years, you know, you're just building for depth in those kind of mid rounds. Yeah, and this year will be uh, very interesting from that standpoint just because the Packers could go a variety of directions. You know, I, I think that the way this year's draft is set up, Rob, what that means is when they pick someone, I don't think I can be – well, I say that now, but I don't think I can be disappointed. You know, the only way – well, you know what? I don't want to spoil that. We'll get into that because we're going to talk okay. about some other stuff here too. But uh, let's let's start – so. Coming into this draft, you know, on the on the broad perspective of things, you know, we know the first three picks are going to be quarterbacks. Pick number four is probably going to be a quarterback, whether it's Atlanta or a team that trades to Atlanta for that. And we'll talk about some of that stuff as we get, you know, to the middle toward the end of this, just some, you know, other teams. But I know you guys are here to listen to us talk about the Packers. So I want to start very simple. Green Bay is on the clock uh, and. It doesn't have to be at 29 necessarily, but your dream pick, the pick that I, you know, I joked, what was the, what was the draft that makes you take your pants off for the rest of the weekend or something like that? Like, so that's my, that's my question. You I guess what's your, I'm not going to word it that way, but you know, what's your dream pick for this first round pick? My dream pick. Uh, well, number one, like you alluded to, I don't believe it'll be at 29. I will believe they will trade up. Uh, everyone, I mean, a, a belief is the Colts at 21 could be a great option, but really anywhere in the early 20s. And they go and they actually get Aaron Rodgers, a first-round receiver, Rashad Bateman out of Minnesota. He is, to me, he just reminds me almost of Devontae Adams. He wins at the line with his feet. He's a great route runner, great hands. His yards after catchability is tremendous, and that's something the Packers' offense needs right now. No one really great with the ball in their hands even Devontae, who's who's shifty and good, but not the greatest with the ball in his hands. So I think Bateman brings that. And I, I, I tweeted it out last night, and I kind of repeated it again today. But, you know, a few weeks ago on this show, I think I said, like, realistically, as much as I might want it, I really don't – I can't imagine the Packers actually picking a receiver in the first round. My feelings have changed a bit, and I feel like – this it's kind of almost like a breaking point where it's like they're either going to pick a receiver in the first round, potentially, you know, and then commit to Rogers, rework his deal and kind of be like, we're going to make another longer run at this. Not like this one year window we've been talking about, or they go and they maybe hit a different position and, and the Rogers situation kind of stays out of it. But, but my dream pick would be Rashad Bateman. It's such a good point, you know, and, and, you know, one of the things that I think we mentioned this a couple of times is that you almost want to 
think, you know, into uh, Brian Gutekunst's head and think, well, okay, does he regret maybe not being a little bit more aggressive last year and trading up ahead of Minnesota to grab Justin Jefferson? I know the team really liked him. And, you know, I think that maybe that threw him for a little bit of a curveball. Uh, and, and also Brandon Ayuk going at 25 to San Francisco last year. That was another pick that he, we had our eye on. And then even going beyond that, he admitted on, you know, personally that they tried to move up into round two to try to get some of those guys uh, that, that were up there. And we don't know exactly who they were. But, I had a pretty you know, good idea. Right. I mean, yeah, right. I mean, you know, because because he said, you know, once they got once a certain player got picked, then he was uh, not thinking about that anymore. So, um, you know, LaVisca Chenault was one of the guys. Uh, T. Higgins was one of the guys. Uh, Yeah. yeah, uh, Chase Claypool, uh, Pittman. So so once those guys were taken, they kind of backed off. So that's a great point, Eli, about. The, the fact that we he may just say, you know what, screw it. I'm going to move up to 21. I'm going to take my guy. I'm not going to worry about anybody else behind us, and, and we're just going to get it done. We're going to get that number two that we've been you know pining for. And the other thing to keep in mind, we mentioned this a couple times when we did the receivers, is the fact that we don't have anybody under contract after this yeah. year. And that's, a, and that's a huge deal mm-hmm. when you look at positions. Is that every one of these guys, don't you think that uh, Alan Lazard's going to want to raise after this year? I think he counts about $850 towards the cap. Um, MVS is going to want to raise after this year. Um, you know, St. Brown, EQ, they're going to all want raises after this year, including Devontae. Devontae is going to want to raise. So how much money are you willing to dedicate to the wide receiver position that's going to be above and beyond what you're dedicating right now? Because all these guys, our contracts are up, and all of these guys are going to want raises. So if you can get a guy on a rookie deal, that might be ideal. Not just a rookie deal, but a guy who, in my opinion, you know, if I'm taking a receiver in the first round and the Packers haven't done it since 2002, I'm not sure if anybody's talked about that or not, but the last (laughs) guy they did that with was Javon Walker. My goal, if I'm the general manager, is to pick somebody that has upside as a wide receiver one. Now, there are exceptions that I would make to that. For example, with this team and the way that they're structured and the way that everything is lining up for them, a player like Kadarius Tony, who I don't think has wide receiver one upside, could make some sense as pick number 29. That being right. said, if you can get Rashad Bateman, to me, there are four receivers in this draft that could be wide receiver ones. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, actually really only three, because I'm not so sure about uh, Jalen Waddle as, as a wide receiver one. But So those two guys that I just mentioned, and then Rashad Bateman, I think that would be a really good addition to that. And I'm not shoving Devontae Adams out the door just because I went and got Rashad no, Bateman. I think you that Ben Devontae as well. And you have potentially a year or two down the line, the best duo in the league is what you're hoping for. Right. Yeah. And that's with a aging Aaron Rodgers or a emerging developing starting Jordan love either way. There's, you know, there's benefits to that type of move. Whether regardless of who your quarterback is, it, do, it doesn't matter at that point. But, you know, I think that the Packers offense has a chance to, now, I know I've, I've said this before. The Packers didn't lose. They haven't lost a lot of playoff games in my lifetime because they didn't have enough weapons on offense. That being said, that doesn't mean that you can't go out and grab guys. I think we talked about this when we talked about the receivers you know, weeks yeah. ago was that this receiving core is Devontae Adams, who's really, really good, and replacement-level talent. And that's not a bad thing. Those guys, MVS and Alan Lazard and those dudes, they fit this system very well, and they play specific roles. That's a good thing. I think that 
that being said, you can always look to be more explosive. And that's where, you know, you're seeing all kinds of smoke these days. And we'll get into some of this, how much we buy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, today it was Bateman. Yesterday it was Elijah Moore and Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network reporting they love Kadarius Tony. And I just think that the buzzword that I've heard surrounding the Packers all offseason is we want to be more explosive. And I think that, you know, what that could be is what Ben Fennell's talked about quite a bit is having one of those guys. Can you turn a six yard play into a 66 yard play? And the Packers don't, to Eli's point, have anybody on their team that can do that. So now, that's Bateman. And we'll yeah, talk so, about so, that. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. It seems uh, like you're so, jumping at the bit here. Oh, man. You know, I want to talk about my dream. My, my, that's, my what I was gonna, I, that's what I've I was going to transition to. So go I, ahead. I, you're, I've been I've been dreaming, man. So, you know, for, for me. Collins. Okay, moving on. Uh, it's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's actually not, man. It's uh, I just think, you know, we're at this point where I want to think, like, why, why did we lose that game against Tampa? We don't talk about it. I think about it all the time. You know, this is this is a nightmare. But uh, listen, I was in the building, so I don't want to hear it from either one of you. You know, I died in the cold, so I don't know. I think I was worse off. At least you saw it. Well, I don't know. It's worse. Well, no, I, was in, I, was in, I was in sunny Florida, and it was about 70 degrees. So, but All right, but Rob's a jerk, it, and I'm going to go ahead and mute him for the rest of the show. You guys don't I mean, have to worry about Rob any longer. You can follow him on Twitter <laughs> at NFL Draft Weeks. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, it doesn't matter. I went right to bed after the game anyways. But anyways, Caleb Farley for me is is my dream um, I'm, you know, it's almost a scenario where you're, you're almost like you're stealing, uh, you know, taking candy from a baby type of thing. If he, if he does drop, when you look at this tape, if you ask any person that watches film on a regular basis and they look at this tape, they see tantalizing skills out of this guy. He's, he's huge. He's big for a corner, but he moves, uh, very smooth and he's just a guy that that could be a lockdown corner opposite Jair Alexander. So then after this year, when Kevin King's done with his one-year deal, he can go off to do something else, and we can plug him right in. He has an entire year where he can get back into shape. He's had back surgery, and that's obviously the medical on him. But if he gets back to normal or even close to normal, he would be that guy that you look back three years from now and says, wow, the Packers really got a steal with that guy. He was a top 10 talent, maybe even a top eight talent. And they were able to get him at the end of round one, and he turned into a starter. And we won't even remember the fact that maybe he starts out his rookie year on the PUP or something like that where he misses the first six games as long as he contributes. And if we're going to match up with some of these teams, Tampa Bay just signed – uh, Antonio Brown yesterday, and you know they have him, and they have Mike Evans, Evans and they have Godwin, Godwin, and they have all these guys coming back. You no, know, I really, I really that, wish you know? Tom Brady would just catch a break. Like, can that do anything to go that guy's way? <laughs> you know, it, but it's just we we need guys that are going to cover those receivers. And to me, if you can draft an elite talent late in round one you take a chance on that and say, Hey, look, it's a back surgery. Um, people recover from those all the time. I had back surgery and I recovered from it and I'm fine now. So, you know, it's just, you know, and for a young, and I'm, and I'm not a young guy and I just did it last year. So, you know, I'm just feeling them, you know, if we can, if he, if he slips down to us, we just have to take it and, and run. Yeah. That scenario reminds me very much of what's five years ago now when miles Jack was sliding down the yeah. board for those medical purposes and green Bay obviously opted correctly by the way, to take Kenny Clark. But at yeah. the time I remember the mass hysterics that they didn't yeah. take miles Jack and they took some defensive tackle, 
which yeah. that draft is like the first one where I realized it's a really good thing. I'm not the general manager because my <laughs> pick would have been Noah Spence and he's out of the NFL. So there's, yeah. there's yeah. Jalen Smith, Jalen Smith, uh, Jalen Smith. Yeah. Jalen yeah. Smith is the perfect example. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Caleb Farley, I think is, he's had maybe the worst somebody. I can't remember who said this to me. They might've been Jake Morley said Farley's had the worst pre-draft process of anybody that hasn't gotten arrested that I can remember. So the poor guys had injury issues. And then today he tests positive for COVID, COVID. and just all kinds of different stuff going on. I think his mom passed away too. Didn't she recently? Or uh, I think that's the reason why he opted out was uh, to care for his mother who had cancer. And I believe I don't quote me on this, but I believe that he lost his mom in the last year too. That could be, so, and, you know, I know there's a lot of stories like that and that's why, you know, people opted out for uh, various different reasons, but um, yeah, it looks like his mom died in January of 2018 after a, a lengthy oh, battle. Okay. It's, it's, so, yeah. uh, not quite recently, but recently enough, that's pain that never goes away. Right. That's morbid. So we're moving on from that, but <laughs> my, my dream pick um, is something that the Packers have, have really, really needed. And they they've looked at it for, I think quite some time and you go back to those games and uh, it, it's Kyle Trask, the quarterback. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> um, my dream dream that's never going to happen. So is uh, JC Horn, the cornerback of South Carolina, but that's, I mean, this guy at this point, I have some pretty decent inkling that I could bet on him to be the first defensive player taken in the entire draft. That's something at this point that wouldn't surprise me over Sertan, over Micah Parsons, over all those guys. It, it just, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. Uh, my pick is Greg Newsom. I'll take the corner out of Northwestern. You know, he's, he's tall. He's long. He plays zone. Uh, he plays man to man coverage as well. He tested really well. And uh, my good friend, Nick Scheib over at Game On Wisconsin said, a gentleman that tested that well from the University of Northwestern is not going to not be a Green Bay Packers. So <laughs> that makes perfect sense to me. You know, you want to talk about me personally, too. Like, I know there's some discussion about this, about the size of the corner. Do you want a bigger guy across from J.R. Alexander? And, and Newsom is a little bit bigger. Me personally, I don't care. I think that the Packers have one good cornerback and one like replacement level dude with Kevin King but they need more good players. And if that means they draft three short dudes and they all kind of aren't able, and they're not able to match up with DK Metcalf, here's a newsflash guys. Not a lot of people can match up with DK Metcalf. <laughs> yeah, right. You can ball, you can ball. It doesn't matter. Like it's the same thing with the receivers. You know, I'm sick and tired of hearing about height or way that if you're good and shows on tape and it's not maybe just box score good, or you got lucky good, but you watch the film and you're good. I don't care if you're an inch or two shorter than the next guy. I'm not going to overlook you because you don't meet that threshold. I mean, we've seen uh, one specific example that popped in my head, Sam Shields, one time Calvin Johnson playing the Lions, Matt, Rock, Matt Matthew Stafford essentially throws a jump ball to Calvin Johnson. Sam Shields is not a very tall, I don't even think he's six feet. And Sam Shields went up and intercepted, ripped it down from Calvin Johnson. And that's something I could see Jair doing. You know, I mean, it's just if you could ball, you can ball. So I'm, I'm not concerned about size. Yeah, I'm with you on that. If you're in, you know, if you're in the receiver's hip pocket, then you're asking the quarterback to make a perfect throw. Another thing, Sam Shields broke up the pass to Des Bryant in the playoff game. So yeah, uh, shout out to my friends that are Dallas Cowboys fans that are listening <laughs> to this show. But that's my dream pick. Let's go the other direction. I think last year, maybe not all three of us would have said this, yeah. but, you know, last year, I think the nightmare scenario played out relatively well. 
uh, <laughs> and they drafted Jordan Love. Now, I, I will say this again. If Jordan Love is good two years from now and he's a starting franchise quarterback for the Packers, none of us will care. So I will say that right now, too. Uh, I can also say that I know a couple years ago, uh, Gutekunst took Rashawn Gary, and a lot of people would have said that was their nightmare scenario. It wasn't quite the nightmare scenario for me, but it wasn't too far off either at that point. But that being said, I'm going to ask, who is your guys' nightmare pick? And my answer to that question is any of the defensive linemen in the first round. I think that that position class stinks. I the more you read about Christian Barrymore, the more worried I am about investing a first round pick in a guy like that. Uh, Levi on Wuzurike, I think I'm pronouncing that name right, is the other guy who could be in consideration for an early pick. I think he didn't play last year, and I'm not all that wild about his tape to begin with. And, you know, the Packers, for all this talk about their inability to stop the run, their issues on defense last year towards the end of the year were not run defense related. They did not lose to Tampa Bay because they couldn't stop the run. There's, I know there was that one run from Leonard Fournette, shut up, I don't care. They didn't beat Tampa Bay because they, well, one, they couldn't take advantage of three turnovers, and two, they didn't stop Tom Brady and those receivers, and they didn't rush the passer well enough. So I think that Green Bay's issues, the run defense stuff, I know the narrative exists. I know that the 2019 NFC Championship game happened. I, I just don't care. Add three dudes on day three and add to your defensive line room that way. But I'm not touching Bearmore. I'm not touching on Wuzurike. I'm not touching Ali McNeil. I'm not touching any of those defensive tackles. I think those are really the only three I've seen with any hype to get into the first round. But that is my nightmare scenario. Rob, what is yours? So I had Christian Barmore written down for the same exact reasons. Now there's reports coming out that he was hard to coach, and that's one of the reasons why he didn't start until his last year. And he just has an attitude problem. So that goes on top of not elite film other than maybe his last two to three games that he played in college but when you look at his career he, he barely even made an impact at, at Alabama he's like a half a year starter for them so that's who I had written down but I have a backup so don't worry about it I'm, I'm, I'm we ready. can agree by the way okay <laughs> that's okay I mean, to do that. so so I'll go on record as that but I'm gonna throw out another guy and you guys will probably disagree with this I'm just gonna uh preemptive strike this but I have Rondale Moore as a, as a nightmare scenario in round one. And there's a very specific reason for that is he's had a lot of hamstring problems. Mm-hmm. And I'm a guy who, if you start having soft tissue injury, those are typically things, you know, when you have, a, when you break your arm or you have surgery and you come back, generally speaking, you're just as strong, if not stronger than before, even with ACLs these days, if you have an ACL surgery, the surgeons are so great with it that, that you can come back just as strong as, as you did before before the injury. But it seems to me like if you're having chronic soft tissue injuries, those are things that last year had a hamstring two years ago and last year. Guy had a spectacular freshman year. People were thinking of him as you know the next big thing. Uh, he doesn't have good size. Uh, he's not a guy who, believe it or not, has a very big route tree. If you look at a lot of his film, he's doing a lot of just – like kind of dig routes. He, he does like a lot of receiver screens. He does a lot of, you know, where he just crosses over the formation. Uh, he's not, a lot of his passes, you know, he's not running deep on, on passes. He's not very crisp with his route running. Uh, he's a great athlete, but I would look at him as more of a, an extreme gadget type of guy um, rather than a guy that would be a, a consistent contributor. So he's a guy that I just released my bust list today and, 
he's on it because I just don't think he's going to stay in the field long enough. Yeah, and he's one of those dudes that I, I'm actually with you. If they, that's one of those. Like I usually say, when you're picking at the end of the first round, then pick like if you're going to trade to like 33 or something like that, just pick the dude and get the fifth year option. Like I would have rather had a fifth year option on Kevin King is not a great example, but a player you know similar to yeah. that. But you know yeah. what I mean, where you have that ability to kind of control that player for an extra year like that more is one of those guys though, that I, I agree with you. And I also think that, you know, when you got to kind of play that balance of when can I get someone like, like would I rather have Rondell Moore at pick 30 or would I rather, or 29, I keep doing that. Or would I rather have Amar Smith, Marset or Jalen Darden or Dwayne Eskridge, you know, on day two, day three kind of stuff. So you got to kind of play that, you know, side of the coin as well. Where can you find someone like that? Yeah. Eli, your nightmare pick. So, Do not say quarterback that will not come. <laughs> uh, so to be honest, like you kind of alluded in the beginning, I mean, last year, I mean, in my opinion, at least, uh, you know, we got our nightmare. And at this point, I don't, I don't see anyone as a straight up nightmare pick, but Kind of tooth like like Jacob said, I don't believe any defensive tackle in this draft is worthy of a first round pick. So I would not be happy with that. And then I guess the only other position I would, you know, again, I I wouldn't freak out maybe like I did with Love or be super pissed, just maybe just not excited or disappointed, is if they went with center for two reasons. Number one, I think they have a potential center on the roster in Lucas Patrick or other other people have, or even Elton Jenkins if it comes to that or you can find centers I think there are a couple of quality centers that you can get on day two or three I don't think you need to go and get a center round one like if you're going to go offensive line get a tackle get the guy that's going to be opposite Bakhtiari for the next you know five to ten years whatever it's going to be but I just don't see like if you're going to let Lindsley walk and I got, he got a big contract. We didn't have the money and all that, but center, it, it is a key position. There's no doubt, but when you're coming to drafting players, I just don't think drafting a center in the first round is as valuable as maybe getting a tackle or the other positions we've mentioned. Good call. Yeah. The center thing is odd to me. I feel like we do this all the time where like, what was it a couple years ago? People were mocking like forest lamp to the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> by the like, way, I mean, I'm yeah. sorry, but just the name Forrest Lamp might be the greatest name ever. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> I remember everybody loved him and he kind of stinks. Like yeah. well, he got hurt. Not- I he got to went to the Chargers, right? And then he tore yeah. his ACL. Yeah, he got he got all messed up. But I just I wanted mean, to draft him so I could yell, I love Lamp, you know, from Anchorman. Uh, yeah. Sure, yeah. <laughs> they, would have, they would have had to have run a tackle eligible play or something to get this guy a touchdown. And I know Sorry. he plays guard. So before everybody on Twitter, not that they would ever correct me in my mentions, but yeah, I, I, I think the center thing is weird. I can't picture, like, I could picture Green Bay picking an offensive lineman that they think could be their starting center. So like Dylan Radins is an example of somebody, but he plays tackle also. He played tackle in college. I could picture that being a pick where they're like, okay, he could play tackle maybe in a pinch, but he's going to start at center for us kind of thing. And like he's repped at North, North Dakota State as a center, so that's not uncommon. But I can't picture them taking just quote-unquote a center. The only offensive lineman they've done anything like that for is Corey Lindsley. And that was what seven years ago now, so quite some time ago. He was what a fifth round pick. Any yeah, to boot, yeah. uh, that's you know, what I'm exactly. Saying. You can find these quality guys 
later on. And I mean, just one quick example. I, I did a mock that um, I really like, and I just want to see if I can, yeah, right here. Um, and I'm just trying to remember his name because I'm totally blanking. Yeah, Trey Hill out of yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Like he's someone you can get probably on day three. And you know what? Maybe he won't be the next Corey Lindsley, but he can learn from guys on that offensive line, learn from Jenkins, learn from Patrick, and, and eventually you groom him into being your starting center. Like I just don't think that needs to be your first the first yeah. thing you do in the draft. Yeah, that's ex- and that's exactly what they did with Lindsley was when um Scott Wells left and then yeah. Evan Dietrich Smith left. They had JC Treader and then they drafted Lindsley and they both kind of took he turns started. that first year before uh Lindsley took that job full time. So, you know, the question it's again kind of the Rondell Moore question, right? Would you rather draft Creed Humphrey or Landon Dickerson on day one when you can get a Drake Jackson on day three or a Quinn Miners yeah. on day two or somebody like that? You know, I think the Packers will have to weigh those options as well. And there's also still some veterans on the market if they do choose to go that route as well. Uh, let's go. One of the games I like to play is so players we'd move up for players you're comfortable with at 29 and players that you would be comfortable with in a trade back scenario. So let's just pick in this, in the interest of time, let's pick two players at each of those slots. So obviously if you trade up for the guy, you're comfortable with him at 29 and you're comfortable with him in a trade back scenario, that would just be fantastic. But to me, players I'd trade up for are guys we've already mentioned. Uh, Greg Newsom, the cornerback is one. And then uh, Rashad Bateman is the other one. I, I just, I think that, He's the one of three receivers with wide receiver one potential. I talked about all that stuff. Players I'm comfortable with at 29. Tevin Jenkins is one, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma State. I love him. I think he's going to be a Tennessee Titan, but I think he is just mean and nasty. And I love the potential that he brings to that defense. And then Trevon Merrig. Uh, I've talked about him a bunch. I feel like I need to need to fit that one in there. Not somebody I would trade up for, even though I do really like him, but I would take him there. And then guys in a trade back scenario. Uh, I would take in a trade back Rondell Moore. I I do think that that possibility in a trade back where you add a few picks on day two is something that you can do. And then Alex Leatherwood, the offensive tackle out of Alabama. I think if you draft, if you come out of this draft with Jenkins or Leatherwood, I think guard or tackle doesn't matter. That's a decade long starter that you have in the NFL. So I like all three, all of those guys. So again, just to replay the rules, Rob, before I kick to you, two guys at each spot. So players you trade up for, players you're comfortable with at 29 players you'd be comfortable with in a trade back scenario. Yeah. Yeah. My guys, my guys that I trade up for Trayvon Merrick, you mentioned him. He'd be, he'd be a guy that I feel would just be an instant uh, impact player on our team. And you alluded to my uh, affinity for this player earlier, but Zayvon Collins would be a guy that I feel, you know, if the Packers do go into a lot of like five, one, five scenarios, uh, on their defensive front that they could put Zaven Collins as the one in there and he could just kind of clean things up. Uh, he'd be the, those would be the two for the move up. Uh, comfortable staying. Um, actually, I have Elijah Moore as a comfortable staying. It, it, I feel like he, if he does drop, um, which I don't think he will, but who knows, you know, anything can happen on draft day. But if he, if he comes and he drops down to Green Bay, I think Elijah Moore would, would fit in really well with our offense. And I'm going to throw out a surprise pick because you mentioned Jenkins, who would have been my second guy. So, you know, it's good that we agree, but I want to throw out kind of a, 
kind of this a is why I go there. first, so I don't have to. Yeah, think. exactly. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> I would have no. It's like it, I feel like we're on like Family Feud, you know, where you can't repeat the answer. And it's like the last answer. person is like, it's like it's like it's like it's like the cousin that like nobody talks, and they, they it gets to them, and they're like, "What? You guys said all the good ones already." Um, but anyways, um, I'm going to throw out Sam Cosme as a as a guy that I would actually be comfortable taking. I know that there there are some question marks about him, and I know that a lot of the Green Bay Packer fans probably wouldn't be too happy with that. But I see him as a guy that can be very versatile in our offense, that if we need him to kick over to the left side, he could do that. He could definitely be a starter on the right side, but he could also kick inside if we need him to. So when it, when you look at position versatility, Sam Cosme would be a guy um, who tested at the top. I believe it's like a 9.99 RAS score. Yeah. And he has some some size to him as well. Uh, he was played in a big program. He played a lot in a big program. So I, I know that the Green Bay Packer fans would not be happy with that. If we walk away with Sam Cosme at, at pick 29, especially with some of the other guys that we talked to. But I just think a lot of the guys that we talked about so far, mm-hmm. I don't think that they're going to be there at 29, I guess. I did, I did my one and only mock draft today. I'm going to be dropping it later on. But... You know, I just think Bateman's going to be gone by 29. I think that uh, Newsom's definitely going to be gone by 29. I think Tevin Jenkins is going to be gone by 29. So you kind of have to go into that next tier after that. And that's where I'm looking at Cosme or possibly Elijah Moore. Now, as far as trade back goes, there's a player that I have my eye on. And we haven't, I don't believe, talked about him at all. But Javon Holland out of Oregon. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) <laughs> he's a he's a guy that that I've had my eye on for a long time, and you see a guy who can cover in the slot, uh, good receivers. You know, I was watching some, uh, I was watching his tape on uh, against USC, and he was covering their top receivers. He had, and he was man on man with them. He was flipping his hips. He was running with them the whole way. And he's also a guy that can drop back into that single high safety as well. So I would say if we can move back into the thirties, Javon Holland would be a guy that I would take a look at and then a very popular green bay packer pick would be asante samuel jr i don't know if i'd want him at 29 but if we can move back to maybe 36 37 um in that range and still pick up a guy like that i think that he would be the second guy that i would really like to target in that in that place Okay, Eli, so you're out of names is what i've probably (laughs) gathered but yeah feel free to jump in yeah, now that everyone possibly is gone, <laughs> I will I will take a chance at this. So players I would trade up for. So, you know, first things first is, you know, everyone says this realistic, not realistic. Last year, similar to this year, there was a very clear consensus, top three receivers, Judy, Lamb, Ruggs. In almost every mock draft we saw, they were gone by pick 12. I think the first one wasn't picked and picked till, till, till 12 and CD land didn't go till 17. So well, I think it's a very long shot. I, I just think if one of those top three has a bit of a slip and gets into the late teens, it, it's possible. I'm not saying it's likely. Maybe if someone has, if teams have uh, concerns about Devante Smith sides, whatever it is, that could be something that would be interesting and I would say the same for JC Horn, but those are the more unreal. Like you'd have to trade up into the teens, but guys, I would trade up probably still in the 20s for and be very happy with. Obviously, Bateman, someone we talked about. I would take really any of the inside linebackers. Uh, Micah Parsons, Zayvon Collins, uh, Jeremiah Wusakoromoa. 
those are all guys I really like. And then Jacob, I think you mentioned him, uh, Greg Newsom, mm-hmm. one I really like as well. Kind of reminds me of Jair Alexander. So those are guys I would trade up for. Guys I'm comfortable with at 29, like both you. I mean, I like Trevon Merrick there. Um, I like Tevin Jenkins there. I don't know if he'll make it there, but I think Kadarius Tony could be there at 29, and he could be an interesting gadget player for them. And then looking at trading back, um, someone like Elijah Molden is someone I've been very high on out of Washington. I think he can play that kind of like Merrig, basically play that that star role somewhere as a hybrid in the defense. Eric Stokes, cornerback out of Georgia, is someone that they can maybe take a look at. And and like Rob said, whether I would even go a 29, but a trade back would obviously be even better. But Asante Samuel Jr. is someone that I would like. Where if yeah, they could I, have him. I would pick him at 29 as well. Uh, Asante Samuel is one of those guys that, and I wonder if Gudekunst was talking about him in his press conference on Monday when he was talking about some guys that, you know, they believe have elite talent and don't necessarily meet their thresholds. Very similar to the way they obviously felt about Jair Alexander. Let's go through just a few questions and just have a little bit of fun with this. So there are three consensus, like top gadget guys, if you will, in the early portion, top 50, 60 of the draft for the Packers. Kadarius Tony, Elijah Moore, Rondell Moore. Eli, how many of those guys would you use pick 29 on? I would use two on Moore or Tony. There's two Moores, so you got to tell me which one. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Yeah, you said a lot. Elijah Moore, right? Yeah. Elijah yes. Moore. Yeah. Okay. Elijah Moore, Kadarius Tony, Rondell Moore. Uh, Rob, I obviously know you won't take one on uh, Rondell, but would you use any of the others? You, you know, Elijah Moore for sure. Um, I'm I'm a little torn on Kadarius Tony. He'd be another guy that I'd probably want to trade back for, but I, I don't see him dropping too much because I think that someone's going to take a chance on that because you know I have him. I, I you know in my mock that I just did today, I put him at. 25 to Jacksonville and actually both of them I did one with trades and one without trades and this is what I think is going to happen not necessarily what I would do but I I thought that him you know with Trevor Lawrence and that matchup would be good so I mean I guess if he's there at 29 I'd consider him but Elijah Moore would be my top pick out of those three yeah, I would I would pick Elijah over the other group. Uh, like I said, I wouldn't take Rondell Moore in the first round. I, in a trade back, I would take him. Tony would be one of those guys that it'd be like one of those, like, is that the best use of a first-round pick? Probably not. Am I going to care as soon as he touches the ball on a wide receiver screen no. and scores a 65-yard touchdown? <laughs> Hell no. no. So <laughs> is it the greatest use of a first-round pick? Probably not. But kind of similar to the way I felt about the A.J. Dillon pick. Was that the greatest use of a second-round pick? Probably not. But when I watched him run through the Tennessee Titans, did I care anymore? Not really. So that was kind of my thought on that. I was talking about wide receiver ones earlier. And Rob, I know you did a bunch of stuff on receivers. So I said, I think there are three guys in this class with wide receiver one potential. And I'm talking like Devontae Adams, star level type potential. So Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Rashad Bateman. Who do you think, is there anybody that you think that uh, outside of those three guys that fits that wide receiver one, are you bigger on Waddle than I am? I do like Jalen Waddle, but I do think that he'd be better off in, in a wide receiver two scenario. He'd be a guy that can, you know, take the cover off the defense. And then, you know, he's not going to be a guy that's necessarily going to 
going to make those tough catches over the middle. Um, he's more of a guy that's going to going to hit those bombs, you know, once, twice a game. But I mean, uh, you know, a guy like Deshaun Jackson has made a long career by just, you know, if Will Fuller, like those, those are two guys that come to mind that they just take the cover off the defense. They draw safeties over, they take coverage away from other guys. So, you know, I, I guess not in the traditional sense of a wide receiver one, I don't see another guy, but you know, that doesn't mean that they can't have a huge impact on the game, uh, being able to go deep and, and, and use that speed. But Bateman would be more of a traditional guy for me. Um, I don't really see a, another guy that, that could really, you know, just stand out and just, uh, you know, be, be like a, like a Devontae Adams, for example. Uh, may, uh, I, I, I'm going to maybe Marshall, but I, I'm not sold on him. I don't know what you guys think. Rob, that was actually the one name I was going to say. If if there was like a long shot pick of a guy in the you know end of the first, early second round, people are talking about that could be a one on his team, a true one. I think Marshall does have that potential. I don't think it's likely, but he would be. He was going to be the name I'd throw out there as well. Yeah, yeah somebody, I alluded to this on one of our other episodes. I wouldn't, I wouldn't draft him with a high pick, uh, Marshall. That is, I just the the opt out before Alabama really rubs yeah. me the wrong way, and now you're reading that stuff about, you know, some red flags medically, and just I, I personally, and not only that, like in this offense specifically, he doesn't block anybody. So I, I, usually I don't care about wide receiver blocking, but I know Matt Lafleur does, so that's going to matter to him. Let's, let's put together the best fit of team need value. Like what is in your guys's opinion, the perfect pick for this Packers team at 29 overall, Eli, I'll start with you. The perfect pick for the Packers. Um, I would probably go with someone like Trevon Merrig, honestly, someone that can, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's where I would go. Just someone that, can finally be like that roamer in the middle, whether whether it's him or Savage, but it gives them the flexibility to have Amos, Savage, and Merrick on the field at one time, and that that could be dangerous. Where you have that guy roaming the middle, and then you have Amos and Savage deep, or flip it, however you want to do it. Those combined three, like I think it hits need, and I think it will also have plenty of production on the field. Obviously, as I said, my dream pick might be Rashad Bateman, but when we're looking at what for this, like I think they could get receivers that could, could contribute a lot, especially when your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers a little bit later. So looking at a guy like Merrig who will fill a need that maybe isn't as deep in the class at safety, that area. So someone like him is, I think could be a perfect fit. That's a, that's a good pick. For for me, it's Greg Newsome. He's he's kind of that versatile corner that that I feel will step into a starting role that can maybe accept that a slot corner role for one year and then move into that um, outside corner position. Uh, he seems to be a guy that can play man. He can play zone. He's a guy that that will be an instant addition to our team. That's going to make an impact. Um, not that I. You know, I, I certainly don't disagree with the Merrick pick because I love him as well. But um, I just think that Newsom, it, it's just he's a clean prospect. And, you know, there's not a lot of red flags around him. He can pick up the defense. He's a smart kid. And he just has has it all. Yeah, the questions on him, I guess, is medically. But if Green Bay is able to sign off on that, that's, that's my answer is Newsom. So last shot here of the night. Let's go. 
first, we're not going to have a chance to talk about this until next week. So I, we're going to do some predictions and they're sure to go wrong. So that's perfectly okay. Um, Rob, 29-62-92. Who are Green Bay's first three picks if Rob Rieger is the general manager? Okay, Let me uh, – give me one second here. I have, to, I have it in front of me, but I clicked off of it. So – uh, for for me, first round, Tevin Jenkins is my ideal is my realistic ideal pick. You know, it's it's taking into account that a lot of the guys that we've talked about before. Obviously, if I'm the GM of all these teams, I like these players, so I'm probably going to pick them. So, you know, in this scenario, Merrick's already gone, Bateman's gone, Elijah Moore's gone, uh, Caleb Farley's gone, Newsom's gone. So, you know, for me as a GM, with the way that the board is is, is you know shakes up. I'm going with Tevin Jenkins at 29, and then at 62, I'm going to be looking at my man, Dwayne Eskridge. I couldn't help it. These guys that I study for sleepers, I always have to put them up there, so to play that slot receiver for us. And then at 92, I really like the cornerback from Michigan, Ambry Thomas. He's another guy that we haven't really talked about, but he was more or less an elite talent. He did opt out last year, and people kind of forgot about him. So he's been sliding down. So he's a guy that has a potential of developing into that uh, at least three corner and maybe into that two corner position. So those are my three, Tevin Jenkins and Dwayne Eskridge and Ambry Thomas. Eli? Um, do I have to stick with their spots or could I include trade? No, you can move if you'd like. You just kind of have okay. to – you know, yeah. they're not going to move into the top 10. So, yeah, no, um, <laughs> I, I do believe they will trade up. And so I, I, I said it again, as I, I put it on Twitter, I said it here. I just have this feeling. So I'm going to say they're going to go with Rashad Bateman in round one, which would definitely entail, I, I assume entail a trade up uh, to get up in there. And then in round two is where, it gets interesting. I'm going back and forth. If if they could get, I just don't know if Elijah Molden's going to fall to 62. Um, but I would go with, yeah, I would go with Elijah Molden. Um, yeah, to be to be a little more realistic, let's go with Ifiatu Malafanu. I think he'll be there at 62, and he's someone I like. And then to address tackle, I think Jackson Carmen. It's someone they could get in the third round and plug him in a tackle. So, yeah, I would go a trade-up in the first to get Bateman. And then I would dream about getting Molden. I just don't think he'll fall to 62. So I'll go with um, Melifanwu and then uh, Jackson Carmen. Okay. Oh, oh, we haven't heard about Carmen. Hold on. No. I love yeah. Jackson Carmen. I think he's a fantastic player. That's, that's, a, that's a nice uh, – that, that, yeah, that's, think, that's nice, Eli. I like it. It's uh, you shocked me there. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, but uh, I love it. Yeah, I think if they could get him in the third round, um, I'd be very happy. Uh, just, just a solid, solid tackle. Yeah, I'm with you. As far as you know, making this predictive, you know, in the interest of that, I guess uh, I, I do think they're going to take Rashad Bateman tomorrow night. Just everything I've read, everything I've heard, everything that's just gone into it. It, it seems like, and you know, last year the same sort of steam started to pick up for Jordan love. And I think all of us just kind of dismissed it as like, yeah, right. They're not actually yeah. going to do that. And then they did. And I think that that same sort of smoke is happening for Rashad Bateman. I think if you look at the way Gutekunst drafts he drafts for the future 
and it's not necessarily what's needed right now. Well, we just mentioned the Packers don't have any receivers under contract beyond 2021. So I think that's the move they're going to go with. I think they take Rashad Bateman in the first round. I'm going to go with uh, Quinn Miners in the second round, uh, which will probably make my good friend and my father, Owen Reese, very happy. The center from Wisconsin Whitewater. I think he can play guard or center for them uh, pretty much right away. And then I'm going to run with Milton Williams, the defensive tackle. A third-round defensive tackle just feels like something the Packers do every so often, and he's never good. So hopefully (laughs) – or. yeah, Kyrie Mike, Thornton. Yeah, Kyrie Thornton. Uh, yeah, really it was good. not great. Um, so that's 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 the route I'm going to go as far as a predictive measure. You know, if I was in charge, it might look a little bit different. But I can say this: I tweeted this today. I cannot wait for the Packers to draft two receivers in the first three rounds this year. So watch them go like Bateman on Thursday, and then Eskridge or Diami Brown or somebody like that on Friday. And then the narrative when they lose in the playoffs is going to shift from Rodgers doesn't have enough help to the defense sucks. So I can't wait for that personally. Just watching. I'm sure PFT will find some way to spin it however they need. So good for you, Mr. Mike Florio. So we're out of time. It is Thursday. It's draft day. So once you're done listening to this, go sit down, crack open a beer, and enjoy the draft. Check out everything we've got on Twitter tonight. You can find. Uh, myself, I'm at Jacob Westendorf, and you can check out on Game on Wisconsin the live draft watch party. We'll be joined by Packers tight end Josiah DeGuara at the very beginning, hosted by Dan Kotnick, Jimmy Christensen, and Todd Varney going from there. And, and a wide variety of guests will be available Friday night as well. So looking forward to that. Rob's going to jump in on Friday, and yep. I'm trying to figure out if Eli is going to jump in or not, but uh, we've got um, an open invitation. All right. Well, I, I I think my best shot of jumping in would be Thursday, this okay. Friday and Saturday. I don't know what I'll be doing, but yeah, if there, if if I could jump in Thursday night, I'd probably uh I'd be down for that. I didn't so realize we'll have, even a party, but yeah, I'm I'm always down for parties. So we'll have that available. We'll have that virtual safe, all that good stuff. So jump on in, ask your questions. Let's watch the draft together tomorrow night. You can find Rob. NFL at NFL draft rigs and I dropped a little bit of stuff earlier and I got a bunch more stuff. So I'm going to do my one and only mock draft with trades, without trades and uh, my sleeper bus list. I believe I posted uh, earlier today. So uh, stay tuned for that. And then Eli, of course, you can find me at book of Eli underscore NFL. And uh, like Rob, yeah, I'll be releasing my final mock either tonight or tomorrow, depending on how many times, I end up trying to change it because I can't make my mind up on anything, but um, I'll still give it a shot. And um, yeah, go pack. Go. Let's hope for a good draft. And I'm excited. One, yeah. one last one last plug just before I, I kick it over to you, Jacob. And, uh, if you guys aren't uh, listening already, 97.3 The Game. Um, I've been on every day this week uh, hyping up the draft with uh, the, the Drew and KB show. They've been fortunate enough to have me for five years now. This is our five, fifth year anniversary. So um, 97.3 The Game uh, draft coverage uh, will continue tomorrow and yeah, today. So I'm- So I'm excited for all of that. Obviously, a lot of great content, a lot of great places to find it. Be sure to check all of that stuff out. And you guys will have a recap right here on the Pack-A-Day podcast tomorrow morning. So be sure to jump in for that. But until then, we'll be signing off. Thank you guys for listening each and every week. We look forward to being back next week talking about the Packers drafting seven to ten future Hall of Famers. And I personally cannot wait. So it's finally draft day. It feels like Christmas. And I am incredibly excited for that. So thank you, everybody, for listening. And go Pack Go.